0: Okay. So turn in your Bibles or reach under your seat, grab the Bible under your seat and turn to Luke nineteen one through 10, Luke nineteen one through 10. And while you're turning there, I want to share a story with you. So when I was a senior in high school, I had gone to this particular private school for about three years at that point, or two years. This was my going on my third year. And By that point, uh, I had been bullied quite a bit, actually, by some of the girls in my class. There were also a lot of guys in my grade who just said things that were unhelpful, not appropriate, just not helpful things. But there were also cliques of people. So, like, the cool kids, the non-cool kids, the kids that were into sports, the ones that were into art, the cheerleaders... Um, just so happened the cheerleaders were the ones that just didn't like me for some reason. And so I was bullied online. I was bullied to my face. Uh, I left school crying on a couple of occasions because it just got really bad. Um, I loved God and I wanted to see unity happen within my school. And so I started brainstorming different ideas of what I could do to try to create unity And so I got this wild idea. I'm going to take all the names of all of my classmates, everyone in my grade, and I'm going to put it in a jar. And every week on Monday, I'm going to pick out a new name, and I'm going to write an encouraging letter anonymously. And I'm going to pray for them that week. And at the end of the week, I'm going to just stick it in their locker. Looking back, the whole anonymous thing, kind of creepy maybe. Um, But nonetheless, I was trying to be kind. And uh, so on the first week... I reached my hand into the jar, and the name that I pulled out was the girl on the cheerleading team who was the meanest to me. And I sat in my bedroom and I thought, do I put this name back in the jar? Or do I write her a letter of encouragement after she has said some horrible things to me? And I sat there and I wrestled for quite a while. Um, almost put her name back, and then just thought, you know what? This is the name I pulled out. This is the name I'm going to stick with. And so that week, I spent the week praying for her. And she had a track meet at the end of the week. And so I decided to just encourage her, hey, God has given you this incredible gift. You are so good at running, blah, blah, blah. So I put it in her locker, heard her talk about it later. She was like, this is kind of weird. I don't know who wrote me a letter because it was weird that it was anonymous. Um, But she was like, I heard her talking to her friend, and she said, This is the nicest thing that anyone has said to me in a long time. So the weeks went on and pulled name after name after name. And it just so happened that every single name that I pulled out of that jar was either someone that had been really unkind to me or someone that I had overlooked because they were the weird kid in class. And week after week, I was writing these letters to these people that I didn't really want to be writing nice things to, And people that I never even really thought about. And it taught me a huge lesson in that we don't get to choose who is deserving of God's love. We don't. We're all deserving of God's love. And so tonight we're going to be unpacking this story that you're probably, if you've grown up in church, are really, really familiar with. And as soon as I say what we're learning, the song is going to pop into your head and you're going to want to sing it. And I'm going to beg you not to sing it. But we're going to go through this story tonight, and I am hoping that God will reveal some new things to you. So you are at Luke 19, 1 through 10, and this is what it says. He entered Jericho, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich, and he was seeking to see who Jesus was So what you need to know about Jericho is Jericho was a prosperous city. So it was kind of the city that people passed through. So not only was there tax, but there was tolls that were taken. Uh, And Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector. And he was really rich. And he was very small. And he was a wee little man. Yes, he was. Uh, So he's a rich chief tax collector, which means that he was over all of these other tax collectors. Tax collectors at that time were really despised. People did not like them because they partnered with the Roman government and they took not only the tax, but they took above and beyond what they should have been taking. And so they were kind of considered robbers because they were taking money from people that really they shouldn't have been taking. So we see here that he's a tax collector. And in verse three, it says Zacchaeus, he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So Zacchaeus was curious. He was curious who this man was that was coming through Jericho. He probably had heard of him, maybe heard some good things about him and thought, who is this guy? Does he have something to offer me? So then it says that he climbs up a tree. Yes, thank you. Do you want to come up here and preach for me? (laughs) He climbs up a sycamore tree. (laughs) (laughs) Would you like to sing this song for us? No. (laughs) (laughs) So he climbs up this sycamore tree. And this man who is rich, he's the chief tax collector in Jericho. Doesn't care about his dignity. Doesn't care what anyone is thinking. Just simply thinks... Something about this man is important and he climbs up this tree in front of a crowd So in verse 5 it says and when jesus came to the place he looked up and said to him Zacchaeus hurry and come down for I must stay at your house today So jesus comes to jericho There's this crowd So picture like a hundred something people, probably people talking to Jesus, trying to get his attention. I don't know, but a ton of people. And Zacchaeus is up in this tree and Jesus is walking through and he pays no attention to all these other people. He simply looks up in the tree and calls Zacchaeus by name. And he doesn't ask him, can I stay in your house? He says, I must stay in your house. It's this divine purpose that he's come to Jericho. He is walking through Jericho to find Zacchaeus because he knows something about this man and he knows what he needs. So he makes this personal declaration almost as if he's saying, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to save you. So in verse 6, It says, Zacchaeus hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. This is the crowd. So you can imagine Zacchaeus despised. Jesus looks up in the tree, says, I'm coming to your house. And all the people around start bullying him, essentially. They start saying, this man is undeserving of having Jesus in his house. What is going on? And they just start grumbling and complaining, saying all sorts of things. And then something crazy happens. So we don't know for sure if this was in Zacchaeus' house or if it was in front of the crowd. But if you look down in verse 8, it says, And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. So he says he's going to take half of his goods, half of his possessions. That's what he owns. So it would be like you went to your house and took half of the things in your house and gave it to the poor. So half of your house is empty because you took all of your stuff and you gave it away. And then he says... And to every single person that I have defrauded, that I have taken money from in a wrong way, I'm going to restore it to them fourfold. And at that time, the law, if somebody robbed somebody, it was they only owed 20%. They repaid it, but it was 20%. And this man is saying, I'm going to give four times back to all these people. And I can only imagine, I don't know how long Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector at that time, but he probably defrauded a decent amount of people. And my mind automatically goes to, what must it have felt like for those people who he was repaying? Did they think, what kind of interaction did did this chief tax collector have that he's going to give me my money back fourfold? I wonder how many people believed in Jesus? We don't know. But that kind of story makes people talk. So then in verse 9, Jesus responds to Zacchaeus' confession and repentance and says that salvation has come to this house. And he says, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. So we have this story. We picture Zacchaeus up in the tree. Maybe you have this picture in your head of a Sunday school thing. We've gone through the story, but what can we learn from it for us today? And I think there's four really important things that we can pull from this passage. And the first one is this. Jesus is worth seeking with our whole heart. You see, Zacchaeus climbed up a tree because he thought that Jesus was worthy of seeing. He was short. He couldn't see over the crowd. And he's just thinking, how can I get a glimpse, just a glimpse of who Jesus is? Is is Jesus supreme in your life? Are you trying to do anything that you can just to ca- catch a glimpse of him? For most of us, the answer might be no. I've got homework. I have, I have school. I have Banned, I have home, like all this stuff, chores at home, you name it. But for Zacchaeus, who had all the money he could want, climbed up a tree to see Jesus. I remember when I was in junior high and I got that first feeling of like wanting to raise my hand during worship because I wanted to just praise him and I wanted to raise my hand and just surrender to him. And then I thought, what are people going to think of me? Are they going to think I'm weird for raising my hand? Are they going to make fun of me? And it stopped me from doing it for a while because I was thinking about what other people might think about me. What about when someone asks you what you're going to do on the weekend? You list off, ah, we're going to go to the beach. We're going to go to Galveston. I think we have a birthday party for my friends. You know, you name off all these things. Do you say that you're going to church? Because that's something really great that you're doing. But do you withhold it because you're nervous that people are going to think you're weird or think something of you? Or do you use it as an opportunity to share the gospel and to share about this God that you love? Is Jesus supreme in your life? Because he's worth seeking. And we see that in Zacchaeus' actions of climbing up a tree. The second thing, Jesus pursues us and satisfies our greatest need. So Zacchaeus uh, was in Jericho. Jesus came to Jericho. He looks up in a tree, he pursues him and says, I have something you need. I have love and mercy to offer you. You're wicked in your heart. And without me, you can't do anything good. And you desperately need me. Jesus pursues us and satisfies our greatest need. And that is being saved by him. In Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, it says this. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in in which you once walked even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is a gift of God. And I want you to focus on that last sentence, that it is a gift of God. Because Zacchaeus was in Jericho stealing money from people and nobody liked him. And everybody looked at him as undeserving. Of the gift of Jesus looking up and choosing him and saying, it's your house out of all these people that I'm staying in tonight. It's this gift that he gives to Zacchaeus because he was undeserving. But that's the kindness of God in that we don't deserve his love and mercy. And yet he offers it to us. We were singing that song back there and I just stood back there and just thought, I am so undeserving of God's love. The things that I have done, the mistakes that I have made, the ways that I have hurt people, the ways that I have withheld forgiveness from people, how I've been bitter, how I've gossiped, how I've done all of these things. And yet God in his kindness loves me and pursues me and wants relationship with me, that he gave me the gift of being saved by Jesus. That's huge. It's this incredible gift that we've been given, that we have been pursued and satisfied through Jesus. The third thing is that Jesus changes us from the inside out. Zacchaeus had Jesus in his house, and it created this new man almost instantly. It says that he hurried down the tree... Jesus said, hurry down, and he hurried down and received him joyfully. And one interaction with Jesus, and this man stood up, confessed his sin, gave himself consequences, and said, I'm going to live differently. It changed the way that he decided he was going to live his life. That's what it looks like to confess and repent and turn. And when you understand the grace of God and what you've been given, it makes you want to live differently. You don't want to do the same thing. Maybe you make a mistake and you talk behind someone's back, but you feel this conviction inside very quickly like, "Ah, oh, that was so wrong." One interaction with Jesus and his love for us changes us from the inside, and our actions show the change that's happened inside of our heart. In Psalm 101, 1 through 4, David writes this, I will sing of the steadfast love and justice to you, O Lord. I will make music. I will ponder the way that is blameless. Oh, when will you come to me? I will walk with integrity of heart within my house. I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. A perverse heart shall be far from me. I will know nothing of evil. I want you to think about yourself when you read that and when you look at this, David's saying, I will walk with integrity within my house. I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. And maybe for you, it's not looking at things. Maybe it's just your thoughts. Maybe you listen to the music on the radio and it takes you somewhere that you don't even know how you got there. But an interaction with Jesus and his grace changes the way we want to live. It changes us from the inside out. Zacchaeus became radically different very quickly because of what Jesus did. Fourth thing and last thing. Jesus offers his love and mercy to all people, and so should we. Zacchaeus was considered an outcast. He was hated among the people. Nobody liked him. Maybe you feel that way. Maybe right now you're going through stuff and you just feel like no one's on your side and you're all alone. Or maybe you know of somebody that is despised, an outcast, overlooked. But maybe we need to also go a step further. Who in your life do you hold bitterness towards? Who are you withholding forgiveness from because of what they've done to you that you think they're undeserving of God's mercy, undeserving of God's love? Because this story teaches us that all people are deserving of God's mercy. You don't get to choose. Just like in my letters, as I sat on my bedroom floor and wrestled with Do I write this girl a letter? It wasn't my choice to make. I needed to surrender to God because he had saved me and forgive just as he forgave me and write the letter. Because Jesus loves us and so we should love people. So I'm going to invite the band to come back up. And I don't know how God spoke to you tonight, if there's something that stood out to you more than another, but there's a few questions that I want you to consider as we take time to respond. Is Jesus priority in your life? This is a silly example, but would you climb up a tree in a crowd for Jesus? (laughs) Do you keep your hands down when you really just want to raise them up? Do you speak about him even in the situations that are scary? Have you responded to Jesus's pursuit of you? Because if you're in the room tonight and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you're hearing these words, this is God's love for you. It's a gift that's being offered to you. Undeserving, but God says you are. Maybe you have accepted, but you haven't really given thought to the fact that every single day you wake up to new mercies every single morning. That it's a new day that you get to start and walk with the Lord and be a part of the kingdom of God and love people Is there anything in your life that you need to confess and repent of? Are there things that you've been walking in for quite some time that you need to remember how you have been forgiven and to walk differently now? And to confess and repent to God if you need to talk to a leader? Is there anyone that you need to forgive? That you are just holding so tightly to the bitterness inside of you that it just eats away at you and you can't walk in freedom because of it. God wants to set you free. So I want you to think about whatever it is that stood out to you tonight that the Lord brought to mind for you. And I'm going to pray and then we're going to stand and we're going to respond to this good God of mercy and love.